Have you ever considered starting a podcast? You're just not sure where to begin? Well, let me introduce you to Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast, and let me tell you why. It's free. That's right, it's free. Anchor's creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Everything you need for a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm to get started. Just as the 2020 pandemic began, cases of police brutality seemed to surge, setting into motion a new period of civil unrest seen by waves of outrage and protest against the systemic racism hurled towards black and brown people in the United States. The outrage played out on the world stage. In over 110 countries, there were major protests, many standing in solidarity with people of color everywhere. It felt like humanity was collectively taking a knee alongside Colin Kaepernick and reformers of old, signifying our weariness, but reminding the powers that be that we ain't never too tired to fight back. We grew weary and exhausted with death, being delivered at the hands of those given the charge to protect and serve. Police brutality has claimed the lives of so many that it made my research just flat out difficult to stomach. In addition, this brutality has altered the trajectory of countless other lives. Here's the problem. When we oppose an institution like law enforcement, it may make some feel like the attack is against them, against America, when in fact, the fight is for unbiased policing in America. Let's be very clear. At this point, we aren't talking about weeding out a few bad apples. Can you really grow good fruit in polluted soil? No. The whole tree must be burned down, roots and all. Even the soil must be treated. The constructs of racism aren't about an individual. This isn't just black and white. It's institutional. It's legislative. It's in the fabric of the Constitution that this country rests its freedoms on. So today, I'll begin a two-part series that will end with the history of American policing, uncovering its connections to a pro-slavery mentality, revealing that at its core lies a lethal amount of implicit bias that's so entrenched in the policy of policing that this bias also governs the culture of policing, resulting in way too many black bodies. This educational storytelling podcast retells American history from the perspective of people of color, highlighting the unspoken truths about our contributions to American history and culture. Zimbabwean proverb teaches that until the lion tells his side of the story, the tale of the hunt will always glorify the hunter. I'm Elizabeth Renee, your host and resident storyteller. Welcome to The Lion Tells the Story.
don't resist. Don't talk back. Be compliant. Don't wear hoodies. Keep your hands on the hood. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Keep your hands where they can see them. Put your hands in the air. We were told that this would save us, but in many, many cases, it simply did not. I start by offering a trigger warning because in this precursor episode that will lead to the chapter on the history of American policing, I will speak the names of some of the people whose lives have been lost to police violence, adversely affected by police misconduct or affected by bias in the legal system. For most of these victims, their murderers and victimizers were never convicted, protected by a system hell-bent on devaluing Black life. This list is lengthy, but not exhaustive. I simply couldn't name them all, but I did my best to recognize both the familiar and those not widely spoken of. Their cases clouded perhaps by other equally as egregious cases of misconduct. I speak their names and tell their stories not to unearth old hurts, We've grieved enough. I speak their names because they are worth remembering. Not just as hashtags, but as humans. I speak their names as a tool of awareness for those who still think that abolition isn't the answer. 2012. The case involving the murder of Trayvon Martin was one that garnered nationwide attention. When the 17-year-old was murdered by a neighborhood watch captain as he walked through a Sanford, Florida neighborhood. It happened on February 27, 2012. I remember it so vividly because the city of Sanford is less than a 30-minute drive from my home. The events of that rainy night ripped through Central Florida's airwaves. And when his aggressor evaded conviction on the grounds of self-defense, that news left the world momentarily paralyzed. It was then that many came to understand that they see us differently and the law makes allowances for it. Turns out the only thing threatening Trayvon was carrying that night was black skin and a bottle of Arizona sweet tea. On March 21st, 2012, 22-year-old Rakaya Boyd was fatally shot by an off-duty Chicago police detective who was reportedly intoxicated at the time of the incident. The officer involved in the shooting was charged with involuntary manslaughter, but later cleared of all charges. 2014. Gabriela Navarez was murdered on March 2nd, 2014 in Sacramento, California, shot 17 times. I say her name. On July 17th, 2014, Eric Garner was murdered in New York City for allegedly selling loose cigarettes. From the constraints of an illegal chokehold, he uttered, I can't breathe, 11 times. The officer involved was never indicted. In Ferguson, Missouri, just a month later, on August 9, 2014, 18-year-old Michael Brown was murdered by the police after being suspected of stealing a box of cigars. Witnesses said Mr. Brown had his hands up when he was shot at least seven times. His body lay in the street for four hours before it was removed. The killing of Mike Brown in Ferguson triggered weeks of protests. It also led to the founding of the Black Lives Matter movement. 
This incident also uncovered the systemic problems in the Ferguson Police Department and the racial disparities in the legal system at large. The police officer responsible for his death was never charged. Michelle Cousseau was murdered on August 14, 2014 in Phoenix, Arizona. I say her name. Ara Rosser was murdered in Ann Arbor, Michigan on November 9, 2014. I say her name. Tanisha Anderson was murdered in Cleveland, Ohio on November 13, 2014. I say her name. Akai Gurley was murdered in Brooklyn, New York on November 20, 2014. I say his name. On November 22, 2014, 12-year-old Tamir Rice was shot dead in Cleveland, Ohio by a police officer after reports of a male who was reportedly a juvenile pointing a gun that was probably fake at passerbys. It was, in fact, a plastic toy gun. He was shot within seconds of the officer's arrival. The shooting was ruled justified and the officer got to keep his job before being fired two and a half years later but not for killing Tamir. 2015. Janisha Fonville was murdered on February 18, 2015 in Charlotte, North Carolina. I say her name. On April 4, 2015, Walter Scott was shot in the back five times by a white police officer after being pulled over for having a defective light on his car. The officer was later fired and eventually sentenced to 20 years in prison. On April 12, 2015, Freddie Gray was arrested for possession of what turned out to be a legal switchblade. He was put inside a Baltimore Police Department transport van and believed to be taken on a rough ride. A rough ride is when the police drive at high speeds or erratically while the detained person is cuffed but unrestrained, leaving their body to be tossed violently as punishment. Mr. Gray was found unconscious upon arrival to the station with his spinal cord nearly severed. Freddie Gray died from those injuries on April 19, 2015. The Baltimore State's attorney brought criminal charges against six police officers, an unheard of demand for police accountability. But over the next two years, four trials would end in defeat for the prosecution. The remaining charges would be dropped and many leaders in Baltimore would retire, quit or be fired. The case of Freddie Gray uncovered so many layers of misconduct in the Baltimore City Police Department that it still has not been properly sifted through. Sandra Bland was found dead in a Waller County, Texas jail on July 13, 2015, after a minor traffic accident. I say her name. 2016. On July 5, 2016, Alton Sterling was murdered in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Video footage showed officers holding down Mr. Sterling as another officer fired his gun. Alton Sterling was shot after a resident reported being threatened by a black man selling CDs. Neither of the two officers involved ever faced criminal charges. The very next day, July 6, 2016, Philando Castile was murdered in St. Paul, Minnesota, while out on a leisurely ride with his girlfriend. Legally armed, he was shot while reaching for his license, the license that the officer requested. 
the murder of Philando Castile was live streamed on Facebook and the officer was still cleared of all murder charges. September 16, 2016, Terrence Crutcher was murdered in Tulsa, Oklahoma, shot, though he was unarmed and standing near his vehicle in the middle of the street. The shooting led to protests in Tulsa. The officer responsible for his murder was rehired a year later by the Rogers County Sheriff's Department as an active reserve deputy. 2017, 15-year-old Jordan Edwards was murdered near Dallas, Texas on April 29, 2017. I say his name. Dewan Guillory, a Louisiana resident, was killed by an officer on July 6, 2017. I say his name. 2018, March 18, 2018, Stephen Clark died after being shot at least seven times in his grandmother's backyard in Sacramento, California, by police who were investigating a nearby break-in. Mr. Clark was unarmed. The release of police video footage sparked major protests in the city. A year later, it was announced that the two officers involved would not face criminal prosecution, as the officers had feared for their lives, believing Mr. Clark had a gun. On September 6, 2018, in Dallas, Texas, Botham Jean was fatally shot by an officer that mistook his apartment for her own. Thinking he was a burglar, she shot him without warning. The officer was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Chinadu Okobi, a Morehouse graduate, was electrocuted by Taser on October 3, 2018, in San Mateo, California. He is believed to have been struggling with a decline in his mental health the officer's lack of awareness helped aid in his death. The San Mateo officer was cleared of all charges. Combat veteran Gregory Lloyd Edwards was tased to death in a Broward County jail on December 10th, 2018. I say his name. 2019. On August 24th, 2019, Elijah McLean was restrained by a chokehold and overdosed with ketamine by officers in Aurora, Colorado. He suffered a cardiac arrest and was removed from life support on April 30th. I say his name. On October 12, 2019, in Fort Worth, Texas, a Tatiana Jefferson's concerned neighbor called a non-emergency number because she saw a Tatiana's front door ajar. As officers walked around the outside of the house in the dark, Jefferson heard a noise in the backyard, pulled out a gun from her purse, and pointed it at the window, according to police. One officer yelled, put your hands up, show me your hands, before he fired through the window. Neither of the officers identified themselves as police. The officer responsible for Tatiana's death has since been indicted for murder. 2020. On February 23, 2020, Ahmad Arbery was figuratively lynched in Brunswick, Georgia. His death came at the hands of a father and son who told police they grabbed guns and pursued Ahmad because they believed he was responsible for break-ins in their neighborhood. Ahmad was at a crossroads, his life stretching out before him, his troubles largely behind him. He had enrolled in South Georgia Technical College, preparing to become an electrician just like his uncles. But first he decided he would take a break figuring college could wait until the fall. 
To keep his head clear, he ran just about every day. By his family's account, at the time of Ahmad's murder, he was at a point of transition with a promising future ahead of him. On April 28, 2021, just a day before I recorded this, a federal grand jury in Georgia indicted three men in connection with the killing of Ahmad Arbery. I will not name these men nor any other perpetrator in this episode, but each of Ahmad's murderers was charged with a federal hate crime and a charge of attempted kidnapping, separate from the state charges brought against the three men last year. Not even a month after Ahmad, on March 13, 2020, Brianna Taylor, a 26-year-old emergency medical technician, was shot eight times when officers raided her apartment in Louisville, Kentucky, a raid that took place with a no-knock warrant that is now thought to have been unwarranted and issued under false pretenses. A grand jury charged one police officer not with Ms. Taylor's death, but with wanton endangerment for firing into a neighboring apartment. None of the officers involved in the raid have been charged in Ms. Taylor's death. In October 2020, two of the jurors released a statement saying that the grand jury was not presented with homicide charges against the officers. Several jurors have also accused Kentucky Attorney General and the police of covering up what happened. Brianna's killing by police officers led to numerous protests that added to those across the United States against police brutality and racism. When a grand jury did not indict the officers for her death, further civil unrest ensued. A year later, there has still been no real justice for Breonna Taylor. The case of Daniel Prude further serves to prove that some officers lack basic training and empathy for those suffering with mental illness, especially when it's a person of color. On March 23, 2020, Daniel Prude was approached while suffering from a mental health episode after ingesting PCP. He was found walking naked in the city streets. The officers put a spit hood over his head, then held him face down on the road for two minutes and 15 seconds until he stopped breathing. Though his death was ruled a homicide, the grand jury declined to charge the seven officers involved in Mr. Prude's death. On Memorial Day of 2020, May 25th, the vicious acts of a Minneapolis police officer and the complicit behavior of several others was set into motion the heinous death of George Floyd. The punishment for being suspected of using a counterfeit $20 bill was murder. When an officer held his knee to Mr. Floyd's neck for approximately eight minutes and 46 seconds while he was restrained in handcuffs. Say his name and I can't breathe became our national chorus as an outcry for what had become a very bloody year. According to police accountability data, it's reported that there were only 18 days in all of 2020 that the police didn't kill someone. Only 18 days. Demonstrations that drew millions in cities across the country and abroad, protesters called for police reform while mourning the death of yet another unarmed black person at the hands of police in the United States. Four officers were charged with Mr. Floyd's death and on April 20th, 2021, the officer who refused to withdraw his knee was found guilty of the murder of George Floyd. Just two days after Mr. Floyd's death in Minneapolis, Tony McDade was shot and killed by a Tallahassee police officer. 
as a result of this timing and likely because of his status as a transsexual man, his death attracted relatively little attention. Today, I say his name. On June 12, 2020, Rayshard Brooks was fatally shot by an Atlanta police officer when responding to a complaint that a man was asleep in a car, blocking a Wendy's restaurant drive through lane. Despite being unarmed, Mr. Brooks was murdered. Officers involved were both charged with his death. 2021. On March 29, 2021, Adam Toledo, a 13-year-old Latino boy, was shot and killed by a Chicago police officer. The Chicago Police Department has a long history of brutality and racism that has fomented mistrust among the city's many Black and Hispanic residents. Adding to that mistrust is the city's history of suppressing damning police videos. Adam Toledo was unarmed with his hands lifted when the fatal shots rang out, ending his life. I say his name. Dante Wright, a doting father and ball player, was murdered on April 11, 2021 after being pulled over for a traffic violation. The city's police chief who resigned after this incident said he believed the officer who shot Mr. Wright meant to use her taser on him, but instead shot him with her gun. Charges of second degree manslaughter were brought against the officer who also resigned. About 30 minutes before a guilty verdict was delivered in the killing of George Floyd, another hashtag was being created for another black body. The details surrounding the fatal shooting of Micaiah Bryant are still being curated in the media, but I quite frankly don't need more details to know that Micaiah should still be here, and I shouldn't even know her name. There are many systems that failed her, but only one that took her life. On April 20th, 2021, a beautiful, bubbly 16-year-old girl, now known for her TikTok hair videos, was shot and killed by an officer in the Columbus, Ohio Police Department. Before we could even begin to name, mourn, or honor Micaiah, another murder took place. One day later, on April 21, 2021, Andrew Brown Jr. died during an attempted arrest in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. When they see us, law enforcement often can't see past the melanin in our skin. We are in many cases perceived as aggressors that need to be tamed. The utilization of slave catcher tactics where policemen get to act as judge, jury, and executioner. Well, this is the standard. This is the mode of operandi. Until they see us as the victim in cases where we are being attacked or falsely accused. Until they see us as vulnerable in cases where mental illness and distress are involved, people like Gabriela Navarez, Ara Rosser, Michelle Cusso, Tanisha Anderson, Janisha Fonville, Shinadu Okobi, Daniel Prude, and countless others will continue to die until they see us as valuable, valuable enough to be treated humanely, even if we are guilty and even if we do pose a threat. I need you to recall the treatment of Dylan Roof and Kyle Rittenhouse, because just like them, guilt shouldn't carry an automatic death sentence. Until they see us, until they really see us, 
we will keep fighting to abolish every system being upheld by racist ideologies. Well, that concludes our lesson for this week. I challenge you to not only research the story you just heard, but every story you've ever been told and discover the truth for yourself. Be sure to connect with us at lionstorypod.com. Also, subscribe, rate, and comment on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow this podcast on all social media platforms at Lion Story Pod. Until next time, keep making good trouble. This episode was sponsored by Reach Educational Consulting, your preferred educational services partner, offering virtual tutoring, test prep, and learning coach services to learners of all ages. Connect with us at wearereachorlando at gmail.com. That's W-E-A-R-E, reachorlando at gmail.com, or at Reach Educational Consulting on all social media platforms.